Well, I think starting with the newsletter was really important. I think a lot of a lot of companies now, I think the whole like content plus commerce thing is very hip and very like, oh, you have to do that. But a lot of people start with both at the same time. And where we started with the newsletter and did that for years before we started, you know, selling people things. And that helped us grow our voice. Um, it gave us a really unique perspective that was authentic and that we weren't trying to get you to do anything. We were simply sharing things. Um, and that's where we gained a really loyal following through that. You are listening to Louder Than Words, the podcast inspiring creatives of all types by giving you a glimpse into the lives and creative process of the most remarkable people you know. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Louder Than Words, where I'm lucky enough to get to hang out with some of the most brilliant people in business, entrepreneurship, and all of these creative different fields and brands. My name is John Benini. I'm a conversion copywriter. You probably already know that by now, unless this is your first time listening, in which case I'm a conversion copywriter. I have a website where I post about creating copy and, and all sorts of things and how to be compelling and be more human in the copy that you create from headlines to button text to emails and everything in between. So if you want to come check me out, my website's johnbenini.co and that's without the M and on Twitter at Benini84 and you can come chat me on there and that'll be a lot of fun too. Uh, today, I'm hanging out with Jen Geese. She's the CEO, or as she refers to herself, the Chief Everything Officer at Photo Jojo, an online retailer for do-it-yourself photographers and the everyday photographers, as they like to say. Started off as a newsletter, but has grown into something very, very huge, and Jen is going to tell us all about that. Jen, welcome to Loud in the Words. Thanks so much for coming to hang out. It's great to have you here. Uh, How's everything yes. going? Great. It's great. We're really busy. We're working on a lot of big things right now, so it's an exciting time for us. I'm sure. So so I guess let's just start here. What is Photo Jojo for people who may not know or have heard of you and just haven't taken a deep dive into who you guys are? Um, well, I think you mentioned we started out as a newsletter. I think that's kind of like the best place to start. Um, we've been around since, uh, gosh, I always get this wrong, like 2006. Um, so Amit's going to listen to this and be like, no, it was 2005 or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, Amit, the founder, you know, started it in New York um, just purely as a newsletter. He noticed a lot of people taking lots of photos and not really doing much with them. Um, and this was kind of during the time where compact digital cameras were getting really popular um, very much in the same way that, uh, you know, everyone's taking photos on their phone now, taking a lot more photos than they had before. Compact digital cameras kind of started that. And so that's like, you know, point and shoots uh, before, you know, like before that was really just like SLR cameras, like very kind of like tech heavy type stuff. Um, so, yeah, photography is coming more accessible. And um, he had a lot of friends that were taking photos and some friends knew more stuff than others. And uh, he was getting into himself and said, what if I just, you know, like start putting this stuff in a newsletter and get my friends to sign up? And then it just grew and grew and grew from there. Um, and the store kind of grew out of that. And that, you know, there was, again, just lots of people taking photos, uh, lots of photo accessories out there, but all very geared towards professionals or kind of like tech heavy you know, kind of hard to understand or access uh, stuff. So we started finding things for the shop um, and then kind of grew that just out of his love for photography and wanting to share uh, photography with the world and get more people taking photos. And so how did you come into the mix? 
Um, so I kind of came into the mix with the store. Um, you know, uh, Amit uh, kind of tells a story where, you know, a lot of traditionally, if you're starting with content like a newsletter or a blog, the natural step is to kind of start taking on advertising as your audience grows. And advertising was never something he wanted to do. It was just kind of a boring, like admin, we'll sometimes say like soul sucking process where you're just dealing, you know, constantly struggling to find another advertiser. And thought it'd be so much more fun to just uh, share cool photo products with people in the same way that he was sharing photo tips um, and then using that to, you know, kind of monetize, I guess, uh, to use a big biz term, uh, the uh, the company rather than having to sell advertising all the time. So I came on, I have a background in uh, like, re- like physical retail management and at the time was working at JPEG Magazine uh, on the community team. Um, and uh, was kind of involved in like the San Francisco photo world um, and actually met Amit through Laura Brunel Miner, who was the editor at JPEG um, and uh, got connected that way. And he brought me on to primarily just build out the store. And so I started doing everything from buying to taking photos of the products and putting them up on the site and copywriting and promoting them and growing all of our social networks. Cause you know, even though it wasn't that long ago. It was 2008. Um, nobody was really doing that much on like Twitter. And we ran a Twitter promotion. We're one of like the first people to do that, which seems crazy now because everything's like share to win or retweet to win. Or, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> um, it's so, gamified so much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's crazy because I, I remember like I, when I was interviewing, I'd come up with a Twitter contest and it was like, at the time, like, wow, this is brilliant. But now I'm like, that was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just like become commonplace. Yeah, well, it's something to be yeah. said about doing it at, at, at the, in the early stages, you know? Yeah. Um, so what I find w- really fascinating is that, you know, this started as a newsletter. In 2006, this is, it's hard to imagine, this is pre-smartphone. So mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to imagine a world without smartphones now. It's crazy. Um, but this is pre-smartphone. So... Yeah, a lot of people had digital cameras, but not nearly as many people as had smartphones now. So that was mm-hmm. that was like a great time to start. Because I think the first iPhone iteration was 2007, um, even though the whole really the whole platform didn't take off for, for another year or two. But what a great time to get into do-it-yourself everyday photography, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. it's like Amit saw something, or he was just really lucky, or he saw something, or something no one else did, or. I mean, I think it's just like the same now. I mean, even though we've been, you know, we've been around, you know, for seven years, eight, eight or nine years since then, it's like uh, we we've never been like, oh, this this is like a growing market. We better tap into it. It's more like we like taking photos, so we're gonna share photo things with our friends, and it's just kind of. As we've grown, it's still been that way, you know, like everyone that that is at Photo Jojo is a photographer, you know, either by either they were professionally or it's just a hobby, you know, everybody's passionate about photography. And so everything that we do out of that is just genuine. I think, I don't know if it's luck or what, but I mean, you know, we just, we like photos and we end up following the trends, you know, when Photo Jojo started it's so similar to, you know, compact cameras and, and that making photography more accessible is so similar to what the iPhone did for photography. And we just kind of followed it throughout all of that. It seems to be a common, uh, a very common occurrence that really successful companies or brands employ 
their target audience. So like you said, everybody at oh, Photo yeah. Jojo is a photographer. So mm-hmm. so I would imagine it's a, it's an atmosphere where the people there don't feel as if they're at work. You guys are just yeah. <laughs> really love photography, like it says on your website, yeah. and really have a, a commitment to finding the next great gadget or, or, or way for people to take better photos. What is that? What, what is that atmosphere like there? You guys it's must fun. all share a lot of ideas amongst each other too, right? Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of stuff just for fun. I mean, like a, a good example of, of like hiring photographers or, or, you know, our hiring process, like a lot of the people that work here full time started out as fans of Photo Jojo or, you know, we call it, we, our customer service team, we also kind of call it like our farm league because a lot of customer service people who work for us part time ended up coming on into full time positions. So, you know, it's like people that started out as fans and then kind of just growing into it. They know what is so cool about Photo Jojo from an outsider perspective and then are able to, you know, work for us within and, and, you know, really kind of relate to the audience rather than bringing somebody in who's got a ton of experience or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's fun. We're like very casual. We take, um, we take trips once a year all together as a team to kind of just come up with new ideas, um, usually international. Like we've gone to um, India together and Thailand and Costa Rica and, uh, um, where else we, I mean, we've done buying trips in Tokyo and we travel a lot together. So we're a very close team because of that. Um, you know, there's, there's something about like racing through an airport to catch a, a flight, you know, that like really brings people together. It's, it's a bonding experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And you kind of come up with weird ideas through that. And a lot of the things that we do, I like to say are kind of nonsensical. And I think it adds to what photo Jojo is all about. You know, we'll do, stuff like uh, that has nothing to do with photography. Like um, we came up with an idea for uh, International High Five Day, which is a, a national holiday. <laughs> um, and we made a website called highfivetheinternet.com and got the URL and then set up uh, authorized web cameras and just had people high five their, their internet on their, <laughs> on their web camera and then turn them into GIFs and the page is still live. But like stuff like that, you know, we're just like wow. thinking of weird things. It's like, it has nothing to do with photography or like getting people into the store to buy stuff. It's really just like, this would be funny. Let's try it. <laughs> so that kind of brings me into this. My next point here is what I find really sort of fascinating is this whole grew naturally. It grew organically from a newsletter into, you know, this huge DIY retailer for camera gadgets that grew organically or quote unquote grew naturally is the hardest part for, yeah. for so many brands <laughs> Um, for every brand. So I and and what's even more fascinating is the traditional advertising and the paid advertising was something mm-hmm. that, you know, the the culture at Photo Jojo was kind of, you know, we'd rather not do that. So yeah. I mean, you kind of just gave us a little sneak peek into national international high five day, which is brilliant. So mm-hmm. what does grew naturally? What does that even mean? Like, how, how did you guys gain the sort of traction needed to become this massive retailer when you a uh, weren't even trying to do that at first. It was just a newsletter. And B, you didn't want to do the traditional paid advertising um, ways to do it. So how, do, how did this all happen? Well, I think starting with the newsletter was really important. I think a lot of a lot of companies now, I think the whole like content plus commerce thing is very hip and very like, oh, you have to do that. But a lot of people start with both at the same time. And where we started with the newsletter and did that for years before we started, you know, selling people things. And 
that helped us grow our voice. Um, it gave us a really unique perspective that was authentic and that we weren't trying to get you to do anything. We were simply sharing things. Um, and that's where we gained a really loyal following through that, um, you know, authenticity. And, you know, when we started picking things in the store, and we still do this, it's very curated. We don't carry everything. And we only really, you know, put stuff in the store that we ourselves would use. And when we, you know, add something to the store, we like to share it rather than kind of say like, come now and buy this thing. Like, it's really like, this is really cool. We found this, we want to share it with you guys. And um, I think that's what's really set us apart over the years and how we grew, uh, you know, is very much because of that voice. And then also the things that we've been able to find are really unique. You can't get them anywhere else. And um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of growth you could say that we've seen through just the products that we've added to the store. Um, like we were, uh, like our cell phone lenses are a really good example of that. Actually, um, you know, we started carrying those with the iPhone three, like before people had even thought of the iPhone as being a camera. Um, and that was huge because it was this really bizarre thing that no one was thinking about yet. And then through that, you know, our fans would share it and then people would find out about it. And then we'd end up with like a full page spread of the New York times because of it. And, I think it's just, you know, making sure that you're authentic and having fun and just always looking and trying to stay on top of things is really just how it happened. And to this day, we still don't do a lot of like paid advertising or anything, um, which is really unique for an online retailer. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny because I was just going to say, um, you must do a little bit of retargeting because I visited the website and then I went on my Facebook and I, I saw like a, a photo JoJo retargeted. Yeah. Um, so we just recently started messing around with like Facebook ads only um, because again, we've like never done it before. So we're like, let's see what happens. Yeah. I was going to ask <laughs> you, why, why, okay. why Facebook? <laughs> like wh- I guess, uh, why Facebook and, and where do you tend to see your people hanging out, I guess? Um, Facebook, really, um, we have a super active, um, so, you know, the, I guess going back a little bit, like the newsletter started before social media and what in newsletters were a huge way, uh, to get content delivered. Um, this was even before like blogs really, um, and like, uh, you know, their Google reader was big. So we'd have like an RSS feed hooked up to the email and stuff, but, um, you know, social wasn't huge. And then over the years of social grew, we started putting more of our, you know, content you could say I'm using lots of like buzzwords <laughs> but um, you know we start putting more of our articles and more of our our um, you know like DIY tips and stuff on Facebook and grew that audience and so now you know most of our traffic comes through Facebook I would say and so that's why we decided to do like kind of experiment with some paid stuff because we're already seeing just a really strong active group of people through our Facebook fans. What about Instagram? Because there's a ton of like amateur photographers on there. Have you, what what kind of like exploration have you guys done into Instagram? Instagram's great. I'm really proud of our Instagram right now. Um, I think before we didn't, we were just putting up photos and, you know, we're photographers and they're pretty good photos. But now I think we have like a much more like dedicated kind of process for our Instagram where we're trying to get more interactive with people following us and um, the photos are a lot more um, thoughtful and colorful and, um, yeah, Instagram's huge. The problem with Instagram is, you know, like if anybody's listening, it's like runs a business through Instagram. It's like, you can't really like link outside of it. Yeah. It's so <laughs> uh, frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think it really helps in ways that are immeasurable and that stuff's really important and kind of in the same way that like 
international high five day is important. (laughs) You can't really say like, oh, this resulted in X amount of blah, blah, blah. It's like, this was fun and people like us because we do things like this. And Instagram, I think, works in the same way as like kind of a branding thing. Um, And I know personally, like I get most of my news and find out about things mostly through Instagram these days more than anything. Yeah, some of the more effective ways uh, I've found of 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 marketing are the least trackable. So exactly. like word exactly. of word of mouth and and referral mm-hmm. and just that cool like oh remember those guys that did the international high five day like mm-hmm. you, you can't it's so hard to measure that stuff and it, and what's a shame is so many brands cut that stuff out because yep. it's not measurable and yep. yeah guys like you you know figured it out photo jojo and um, yeah it's yeah. it's it's really fascinating it's a it's just like a interesting. Uh, give and take of, well, everything needs to be measurable, and well, the most some of the most effective ones aren't. So, um, it's it's cool to see that you guys embrace that uh, because it's not easy, you know, and and so many brands don't. Um, mm-hmm. So, what I want to ask you about too is the the gadgets. So, you guys started as this newsletter, it, it grew into this. You're like, wow! So everybody loves these tips that we're giving these do it yourself uh, photography tips. Let's aggregate these these products that we're talking about, these gadgets, these things that we find, and create this retail store, which is, you know, what you guys did. So how do you, what does the process look like for you guys finding these gadgets and products? Like, I know there's a description on the website that says we scour dumpsters and everything and to find like all over the world to find the best photo gadgets. Like, so what does that actually look like? How do you guys find (laughs) these things? Um, yeah, we really dig it's, they come from all over the place. Um, you know, we've done a lot of buying trips to um, Asia, which is really helpful. I think um, places like Tokyo, Japan, everything, Hong Kong to Korea, they all have a really playful approach to photography that's a very similar to what we do, um, but they're just one step ahead. <laughs> so um, a lot of stuff that we've found, we've found on those buying trips. So travel is really important. I think even when you don't find something on a buying trip, still just kind of like getting out of the culture that you live in every day and traveling is always really inspiring. You kind of come up with ideas, even if you, you know, didn't find that particular thing in some like weird anime mall, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which I've definitely found things that I actually have a good story. That's a great example of like how we find things. Cause a lot of it's just luck. Um, In Hong Kong, uh, we were in this like crazy, like 10 story anime mall. And it was mostly just, figurines and you know like tchotchkes and and like video games and that kind of thing and we went into this store that didn't have any photo stuff and in the back on this like dusty shelf behind a like locked cabinet was this weird like lens mount uh for like an slr lens and um i picked it up and i was like what is that and like you know it's all there's no english on the packaging or anything and i go to the person working in the store and i'm like can you tell me what this is and they didn't know what it was either even though they were selling it in the store um and I was like, this has like some kind of promise. And, and so we bought it, took it back and kind of took it apart and realized that it was a, um, we kind of thought it might be this and confirmed it after we figured out how to put it together. But it was a, a mount that allows you to put a SLR lens on your phone and shoot through, you know, like your like 50 millimeter Canon lens on an iPhone, um, which gives you like really cool like depth of field and just like so much more like quality than you would get through like your actual phone camera and it was just like this weird thing and it we put it in the store it ended up being huge because it was so bizarre and like you know such a um, kind of like buzzworthy thing that we had found in like a 
tiny little anime mall corner <laughs> and like stuff like that just happens all the time. And there's a lot of, pro- you know, things that we have in the store that we found in, you know, weird ways like that. What's like the can't miss stuff? Like when you find something or it's, it's just like, you know, it's going to blow up. Like what, what are the can't miss products and the most popular stuff in, in the store? Um, so I don't know. It's funny. We, we do really well with like very useful things. Like everybody needs a, you know, like everybody's trying to figure out what the best way to carry their phone is. So like wrist straps do really well, but then we also do really well with like the more like novelty things, like what I was just describing, like a a mount that allows you to put the, you know, SLR lens that you already have onto your phone. It's like, that's not something that people like wake up in the morning and be like, I really need this thing. But it's like that kind of element of discovery um that we're we're kind of throwing into the mix and then people find out about photo jojo through those weird products because they are so buzzworthy and it's you know one of the things is like we like to carry stuff that you 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 know didn't know you needed until you saw it (laughs) and you're like whoa i absolutely need that um and so it's it's like a mix of both we do well with with like the really basic stuff stuff everybody needs and then the stuff that's just like really fun to experiment with and inspires you to kind of do more with photography um like the crazy slr lens mount so i have to ask what are your thoughts on selfie sticks (laughs) (laughs) oh man you know i don't know i my like general philosophy with with all of this um be it a selfie stick or something else like if people are taking photos then it's great and whatever it is that gets them to take more photos like so be it um i personally wouldn't be caught dead using one <laughs> unless i was like clearly being like really ironic about it or something yeah, yeah. um but I really, I think it's really neat to see people out taking photos and having fun and getting their face in the photo and getting their friends in the photo. And like, I don't know, I think it's just anything like that. I think when, you know, uh, phone photography was getting huge and I think that stigma has gone now, but like there was a lot of people up in arms uh, within our fans that were like, I can't believe you guys are promoting phone photography. It's not real photography. Nice. Um, and that always really bummed me out because it's like, it doesn't matter what you're using or what tool it is, if it's a selfie stick or, or a disposable camera or, you know, like a flip phone, I don't care. Like it's still a photograph and you're still, you know, stopping whatever moment to preserve it and really think about it and documenting it and just like getting involved in whatever level. And I think that that is like the coolest thing about photography right now is how accessible it is and how open people are at all types of photography. And I really think that stigma is mostly gone. I mean, it's, it's like something that I don't really see as much anymore, which is cool. Yeah, it's cool. One of my favorite ad campaigns recently too is the iPhone shot on iPhone six ad campaign. Yeah, and this brilliant. is this isn't like an Apple, Android, Microsoft thing. This is like I, I just loved how they they took that stigma and, and squashed it. And I have a good friend of mine actually. Um his name's Paul Octavius. I don't know if you yeah. you, you know I Paul. Love Paul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh he's actually from he he's not he's from not too far from where I am and um him and I actually met at a wedding one time. We sat next to each other and he had like a Polaroid camera with him and he I was like who's this dude with the Polaroid? Like <laughs> doesn't he know? I mean this was probably I mean yeah, there was iPhones and everybody had their digital cameras but he was rocking this Polaroid camera. And so we got talking a lot and you know he's a brilliant photographer. He does work for Starbucks and app all these big brands and he took a photo for that shot on iphone 6 campaign um Mm -hmm. with his hand 
uh, held out and, and a rainbow had been, it's hard to explain, I guess, but, um, yeah, I just love that campaign because it took that stigma and sort of shattered it. I mean, I think it was gone before that, but you, you can take brilliant shots with yeah. a, with a mobile phone. And I think that that sort of proved that. Um, and, and that's funny because like smartphones have turned all of us into amateur photographers. Um, and, and I think Photo Jojo capitalizes on that, right? I mean, uh, yeah. You guys obviously have a big understanding of the market. A lot of your products are geared toward that. Is that the main focus now? Is 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 the uh, the digital camera like a dinosaur? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, we still release a lot of things that are for digital cameras, specifically DSLRs, and those still do really well. Um, and I've I've kind of like I, I like to think of the iPhone as like a gateway drug into photography. Um, I know a lot of people um, who have gotten into photography through their phone. They never thought of themselves as a photographer, never even thought to pursue it. And then we're like, whoa, I'm taking a lot of photos. And they're like, maybe I should try, a, you know, like upping my game with like a bigger lens on a DSLR. And um, it's it's kind of acted in that way where, no, it's it's like I bet even more people are, are kind of taking up more like different types of cameras because of the iPhone rather than less. Yeah, I, I would definitely think so, and uh, it, it it definitely is a gateway. I mean, it's it's it has been for me. I wasn't much of a photographer, took much interest in any of that prior to having an iPhone, and then everybody with the with the filters and all this stuff, uh, you know, you kind of you know develop this artistic view of trying to take pictures and how will this look good on Instagram and all these things. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I certainly think it's a it's definitely a gateway drug. Um, mm-hmm. I want to ask you. A little bit more about you personally now. So sure. tell, tell us about you. Like, where where are you from originally? Um, I grew up in San Diego in Southern California and then uh, went to school on the Central Coast uh, in San Luis Obispo at Cal Poly uh, and then moved to San Francisco after that. And it was kind of like the town I had always wanted to be in. I went to visit uh, when I was probably 12 or 13 with my dad. And then ever since then was like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and so it's kind of like set on that. And I've been here for, um, about 70, actually it was seven years exactly, uh, on July 1st. Um, so I've seen a lot of changes in the city since then. Um, and, uh, good and bad. <laughs> no shortage of photo opportunities out there. Either, no. So yeah, that, yeah, beautiful. Um, so describe the path. I know you mentioned that you were in, you know, uh, brick and mortar retail. Describe sort of the path that has led you to where you are right now. Yeah. Um, so I've always had an interest in, in physical retail and I still do. I really like the experience, uh, of that you get in an actual store. And one of the cool things about, you know, uh, having managed like a retail store, uh, in college and, uh, kind of being involved in that scene before I got into the internet or even knew that you could work for the internet, like that was a job, <laughs> um, was just the background that you have in those real life experiences where you're talking to somebody who's working in the store or you're just, you know, in this kind of like curated environment where it's kind of a all like sensory experience, you know, like you're, you're seeing the way the store is decorated and you're, you know, talking to the person that's working there and they're telling you about the, the things in the store. And, um, I like to try and, incorporate as much of that into photo judges I can where it's more of an experience and less of like a commodity experience where if you're going to like Amazon you're like I need toilet paper and you order it whereas shopping online can be so much more like a physical retail experience if you do the right things and make it fun and add lots of kind of delightful things um and you know that's kind of like I would say where my passion lies is is um doing different and fun things with um, shopping online, I think it can be done. And I think a lot of that is kind of borrowed from 
my like many years of working physical retail. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot that could be taken from that because I think there's an element of that that's obviously lost online and it's not necessarily a good thing, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that human interaction and, uh, that, you know, that more, that closeness and that warmth that you get in, in the right space in retail. So, um, but I like how you guys actually put your hours at the bottom of your site and say like, you could talk to a real human being between nine and five and that kind of brings like a brick and mortar feel to it. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Just letting people know that we're not robots and that we're, you know, Mm -hmm. we want to talk to you even if it's just to like tell you a knock knock joke. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's awesome. I'm going to call now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So where do you, I mean, anybody in a creative position and I know like you do a little bit of everything um, but you know by trade you're sort of like a photographer you have this passion for photography and you're at a very cre- uh, work for a very creative brand um, where do you extract inspiration from for anything from getting more traction so the the, the, the international high fi- anything as far as finding products or positioning photo Jojo mm-hmm. to get more tra- like where do you extract your inspiration from this is funny. I was thinking yesterday because I'm uh, in a couple of weeks doing a, a talk at the National Retail Federation Conference, and um, sounds like a they big had deal. Me, yeah, they had me write a bio, and I was like, "Oh God, I have to talk about myself." And I don't know. I was trying to think of like my general philosophy, and I've written a line that was like, "I like hiring uh, MFAs over MBAs." Um, I like to work with people who are more creative, uh, more creatively inclined than business uh, inclined. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the inspiration comes from. I think if a lot of people come at it in a backwards way where they're very much of the background where they're like, I'm going, you know, like I need to make a business that's profitable. Whereas I come from a more creative background where I like photography and art and music and never went to business school and, you know, like kind of just ended up you know, running a business through being creative and figuring it out along the way. And I think that's where a lot of our ideas come from and that we're not kind of tied down by trying to, you know, convert a bunch of traffic or anything. And um, I hire people that necessarily don't have a ton of experience, but are artists themselves or, you know, went to art school instead of business school. (laughs) And a lot of my friends are the same way. You know, I've got a lot of friends working in business that had art degrees. (laughs) Um, And 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 I like that. It's a good approach too, because um, when you hire creatives, I, I find that most times when you give them the end goal and just don't tell them how to get there, um, and you keep checking in on them, uh, that, that's how true innovation happens. And I think that's how, uh, when you see true creativity brought out, whereas if you hire, you know, and obviously I'm generalizing here, but if you, you can, you can take somebody out of business school and give them that, that process and the method and, mm-hmm. and they'll probably follow it and get things done, but you never know what you're missing out on. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that's the coolest part I've always found about hiring creatives is give them that end goal and just let them figure out what the path is to get there. Um, and it, it's, it's, it could be really fun to see where they take that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier to teach someone how to build a spreadsheet <laughs> yeah, right. than it is to teach someone to think outside of the box and creatively and, and have great taste and a vision. And it's hard to teach somebody to have a vision. They kind of have to bring that with them. Yeah, you can learn Excel. Just tell them to download the Udemy app and uh, you know, they can figure it out. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so not, what, to, not to like degrade people who have MBAs. I think that's really <laughs> awesome and I want one now after. <laughs> yeah, you got to be you got to stay diplomatic about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what about like uh, I'm a big reader. Um, I, I'm not sure if you are, but as far as like inspiration from books, music, online publications, stuff like that, is there anything specific that 
you read, listen to, watch, whatever it is that's brilliant that you could share with everyone? Oh, good question. Um, gosh, well, I'm probably like everybody else, and I have like a huge Amazon wish list of like business creative growth books that I like mean to order and read, but don't. <laughs> and I'm like, that sounds great. I should read that someday. Um, I don't know. I think I end up like getting inspiration from my coworkers, from my friends. Um, I have a lot of friends that are photographers. So talking to them about like what their needs are, um, you know, just kind of like everyday life. I mean, I'm a big movie buff. I watch a lot of movies um, and end up getting inspiration in weird ways from those that are like not at all related to or like directly related to photography or running a business. Um, I think like one of the best things that I've learned to do is just kind of like unplug and like think about something else entirely rather than worrying about like the day-to-day stuff. And that's really helpful in finding inspiration is just slowing down and, you know, you'll think of things without putting pressure on it or like making yourself sit down and read like, you know, a book about being an effective executive or something. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, So last great movie that you saw. Oh, Ooh, good question. Um, Put you on the spot. I know this is hard because I watched so many, and it's like it's like when people ask me what my favorite movie is, I'm like, oh, it's this one, but maybe it's this other one. Um, oh, actually, this is kind of funny. I really liked Jurassic World. <laughs> oh, that, it was good. It was, and yeah, it was good. And I'm gonna assume you and I are around the same age, and you know, growing yeah. up on the first one, I think the reason I thought it was really good was because I wasn't thinking about the first one the, the entire yeah. time. Every time yeah. I watch a sequel, I'm always constantly thinking about the first one. So anyways, yeah. <laughs> what like what a, did you love about it? Well, it's so funny because I feel like I should pick something that's like a little more because I, I do really like independent film and like, you know, all that blah, blah, blah. But um, I liked that Jurassic World was uh, so I, I actually I watched it, it was really entertaining and I was reading articles after it uh, about it afterwards and like talking about the like kind of uh, like just remake industry in the box office and how, uh, you know, it's like even more prevalent than before and how Jurassic World did such a good job of it. And it was really honest and just kind of like what it was. It wasn't trying too hard. Um, and talking about like movies and how uh, people are pledging to use less, um, you know, like special effects and more kind of like real life effects and how they'd used animatronics, um, which people com- had completely stopped using and more and more directors, like the guy that did Mad Max was using actual vehicles and I don't know, all that stuff's really interesting. I think like the movie industry and business, um, it's in some ways maybe getting more authentic and here I can tie it back to uh, Photo Jojo, <laughs> oddly. <laughs> and that, you know, people, it's like kind of this drive for authenticity where everyone's just kind of burnt out on like, you know, trying to do these big box office hits with tons of special effects on this stuff. And people are like, wait, we don't want that anymore. We're burnt out on that. Let's make it simple and just be really honest about what we're doing and not try too hard. Yeah, and the upcoming Star Wars film in December, I oh know a lot of people so are excited exciting. about because J.J. Abrams early on kind of, promise to rely yes. more on yeah. animatronics real life stuff and i think that moment in in what you're saying in in film and and photography where quote unquote like uh maybe that it jumped the shark was maybe that original prequel trilogy with star wars when george lucas just it, mm-hmm. that, those three <laughs> movies were just everything was cgi like i don't even so know why bad. he casted real actors he could have just done the whole thing and um then maybe well, that was he's like come the out since the then and said i made a mistake and i'm not gonna yeah. do that again which is yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, sorry, I know we had to nerd out here for a second on Star Wars. I know. Super, super pumped about that. Um, so, what about, uh, you know, for somebody who wears a lot of hats, 
Talk about like, and I hate this word hacks, but productivity hacks. What are some things that you do every day maybe that you could share that um, you find just work for you in, in getting things done or um, staying focused and things like that? Oh, yeah. I actually love talking about this stuff because I'm such a like a control freak about my time and like uh, I'm like ultra organized. Um, it probably drives my coworkers crazy with that because I'm like, why don't you format it this way and like making them do things differently all the time. But um, I one of the like most helpful things and actually on it, the founder of Photo Jojo uh, taught me so much about like productivity that I still use like every day. Um, so uh, Amit, if you're listening, thank you. <laughs> um, but one of the biggest things uh, that, uh, I use every day is just kind of taking like a big giant list of things and condensing it into like three main things that need to get done. I think, um, people, you can get really overwhelmed by all the things that have to be done and just taking that time in the morning to pare that down, um, is really helpful. And that way, you know, you're not kind of working off this list and having to like take a step back each time and think like, Oh, what's the most important thing? Just kind of like setting that out, even for the whole week. That really helps me a lot. Yeah, I think, um, you know, add this one to your wish list if it's not already there. Essentialism. I forget who yeah. the author is. His name's escaping me right now. Oh, gosh. You're um, on the street. <laughs> <laughs> that, I just that... want to watch Jurassic World. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as you don't watch the second two. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, that one's great. And it's all about like focusing on, nice. um, you know, just that one thing that every single day. And it sort of really changed my outlook every day where I, I kind of uh, am more disciplined and hold myself accountable more. And I know I'm like more self-aware now when I'm going against it and I feel so guilty. Yeah. And um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think that that's super important. The guilt is a hard battle. That's, yeah, that's one really I think. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> um, so something I meant to ask you earlier about Photo Jojo is mm-hmm. – uh, what kind of traffic do you guys do? Like on a, on a regular day, how many people are coming to the site and, and, uh, you know, what kind of numbers can you share with us on that? Um, it goes up and down. So like, uh, the weekends are pretty slow. Uh, typically I'm actually like dialing up analytics right now cause it is so different. Um, but you know, like Mondays are really huge for us all the time and we get really high traffic days on, um, Mondays uh, are the newsletter days. So the newsletter is still a huge drive for us um, in terms of traffic. Um, we send a newsletter out on Mondays and Thursdays. Usually Mondays is um, our kind of like store email day, and that's when we'll send out a new product that we've added to the shop. Um, but I don't know, it's looking like on average like a couple hundred thousand per month um, total. Um and a lot of that, I mean, the email is probably like 10% of that, 10 or 15% of that. Do you guys track, like, how, how many customers, I guess, does Photo Jojo have? Is that something that's tracked? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're actually, you know, for all of the talk about being a creative company and stuff, which we are, we're also very um, analytics driven. You know, we're testing and tracking everything that we do and, and learning from it. And, and the stuff like International High Five Day, we're always trying to balance that out with things that we know will actually bring people into the store, uh, to buy stuff. Cause and the, at the end of the day, we are running a business. <laughs> um, so, you know, finding a balance between those two things, uh, is important. Um, but you know, as far as like where people come from and how often it's, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's very much spread throughout social media. Um, like I was saying earlier, Facebook is huge for us. Um, we're lucky enough to have a really active Facebook following where I know a lot of companies, uh, have a hard time kind of like getting people to interact um, 
on there. And it's getting harder with the changes that Facebook's making, um, which is kind of a bummer, uh, a bummer thing, but I also get it. Uh, they need people to like buy advertising. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's definitely pay to play now, but uh. yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's changed a lot, but I mean, we've been using, we've been kind of where we've kind of like grandfathered into Facebook. I think now starting a company page is, is a lot different. Um, it's a lot harder to get a lot of followers um, because it's not showing up on feeds as much as it was back in the day when we first started our Facebook page, but it is still a huge drive for us. So are you, are you an Apple or Android smartphone user? Uh, Apple. Um, so I think there's a lot you can, I ask everybody this. I think there's a lot you can, you can sort of tell about a person by the apps that they have on their home screen. So, uh, what do you, like, what are those apps that you have on your, on your first home screen that you use all the time? Uh, well, I actually have Instagram. I use it. I'm like such an addict. I have it like in the dock on my phone. Is like, <laughs> wow, like I can't okay. even mix it up with the other ones. I use, um, I, I love Visco cam for editing. Um, what's, what's it called? Visco VS. Co. Okay, cool. Cisco, um, and it's also a, an a, a online community, um, which I'm not active in, but it is really beautifully designed. Um, and uh, mostly photo editing apps on my phone. Um, I usually use like two or three before I put something on Instagram because I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> oh my god, there's so many photo editing apps. Like, wh- mm-hmm. what what do people download? Like, how do we make heads or tails of that? Which ones are the best? <laughs> I don't know. I use Snapseed. I like Snapseed a lot. See, I've never uh, even heard of that. See, that's I, Google. That's Google's photo editing. Yeah, I think it's Google. Um, hopefully, I'm getting that right. Um, and uh, that one's good for like really fine editing. Like if you want to do like a spot correction or something like really nerdy like that. Um, and uh, yeah, that. And then um, just the usual. I mean, like the Gmail, Google Docs. I'm like a Google Docs addict. It's like everything I do is in Google Drive. Google Drive. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, same difference. Uh, so I've got that app. That's probably a heavy hitter. Um, I was using like Sunrise app for a while, but. Uh, stopped recently. I don't know why. Um, that's the calendar. Then Microsoft bought them recently, I guess, um, which is kind of weird. But yeah, and then uh, Google just released their calendar on iOS like a couple months ago, and that's what I've been using. So, oh dang, I didn't even know that. I need to get on that. Yeah, that's that. That's what everybody's <laughs> waiting up. for. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's really hard. You basically have to have like TechCrunch send you push notifications all day long to really get yeah, uh, you know stay yeah. on top of all that stuff so true yeah. um so where can people you know where can people come and connect with you learn more about you learn more about photo jojo where should we direct people from here oh good question um i don't know i, I like to give people my instagram i feel like it gives people like a really good slice of life and um the photo jojo instagram in particular at photo jojo um we do a lot of kind of like uh behind the scenes stuff on there that's really fun um you can also find us on on um on uh, Snapchat, <laughs> um, which has been really fun uh, for like kind of the behind the scenes stuff around the office. So I would say, yeah, like uh, Photo Jojo on Instagram and, and Snapchat, and then myself, uh, which is just Jen underscore Kari, K R I, on Instagram. Awesome. I'm going to be sure to check out all those. I, I, I enjoy following the people that have a have a, a dedication and a commitment to putting out like great images and photos. And um, yeah, so there's there's definitely no shortage of those. Those are a lot of fun to follow. So uh, definitely everybody check that out. And and Jen, this was this was uh, so much fun. Thank you for coming on here and telling us more about you about photo Jojo. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for hanging out with us. Absolutely. Thank you. And for everyone else who's listening, thank you once again for tuning in. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, first and foremost, go follow Photo Jojo and Jen. But after that, if you could share, recommend, 
rate all those good things um it's really only a couple clicks away so you can go do that uh i would greatly appreciate that and be sure to come back soon because we'll be back with more great guests so long everybody take care